You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode 122. Well, hey there, Impact Driver. Welcome to the PMO Strategies Podcast. I am your host, Laura Bernard. And today we are going to talk about how you align strengths in your PMO. Have you just taken over a PMO or are you starting one from scratch? Are you looking to build teams and trying to figure out the best way to align your project management talent and your PMO staff talent to best prepare you and your PMO to thrive in the future? Have you and your team maybe taken some of those personality or strengths assessments, DISC, Myers-Briggs, Strength Finders? Are you wondering how you can use these tools to help take your PMO from a coordinating and administrative function to managing and ultimately leading projects and programs from a leadership perspective? The way you align your team based on their strengths can strongly influence the impact that you're able to make with and through your team, ultimately to drive higher impact for the organization as a whole. This episode is sponsored by my free masterclass on the game-changing steps to a high-impact PMO. Whether you're starting a PMO for the first time, trying to get your PMO back on track, or just want to ensure that your PMO is as high-impact as possible, this training will get right to the heart of what really makes a difference in the eyes of your business leaders, where to focus your energy for the best results, and how to accelerate your PMO performance. We're going to follow my step-by-step framework that has been developed leveraging more than 24 years of real-world experience as a PMO leader myself for 15 years and as a consultant with PMO Strategies, a trainer and a coach for the last nine years. The work I do with my students has helped them get and keep their seat at the table no matter what kind of chaos is thrown in their way, and they are thriving. Join me for this one-hour training program by going to pmostrategies.com forward slash PMO. That's pmostrategies.com forward slash PMO. And let's unleash the full power of your impact engine PMO today. Today, we're going to be talking with my pal, Jenny Fowler, about the ways that you can use these frameworks to identify the strengths of your teams and use them to drive higher impact across all the projects that you're doing and be that leader your rest of the organization is looking for. And ultimately, this will help you earn your seat at the table and have that greater impact that we're all looking to make. So whether you are starting a PMO or you are taking over one, or you're just trying to figure out when I build my teams, how do I make sure that I am looking for these strengths to build the best possible high-performing team I can, this episode is going to dive into all of that. So with me today is Jenny Fowler. Jenny brings over 20 years of experience as a PMO leader, hands-on herself, in multiple verticals, and she also has numerous project management certifications. She has built or matured seven PMO, EPMO, SROs, 
And as of this year, she has started a new journey with a global PMO, which is number eight for Jenny. Jenny's also a multiple time speaker at the PMO Impact Summit, and she killed it with her session this year at the PMO Impact Summit. So I hope you got a chance to see that as well. With all of that said, Jenny, thank you so much for being here for this episode today. Thank you, Laura. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me back. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Okay, Jenny, let's just dive in with the basics. When you say align strengths, because we were talking about this before we dive into the details and we talk about strengths, but that could be so many different things to different people. So when you say align strengths, what are you talking about here? That's a great question. I think I have to back up a little bit before I can answer that question. Even if you've been a PMO leader for a while or you're new to your role, the reason I want to back up is to take a little bit different view of it. Do you certifiably know what your staff strengths are? Do you know what your project manager strengths are? Do you know what your scrum master strengths are? Do you know what your coordinator strengths are? Like certifiably. Do you know what their natural behavior and or communication preferences are? Um, Because we all are different, right? Because we know we know that in job interviews, here's what we hear, right? We were trained to say this, to hear this. Here's what you hear. So tell me what your top strengths are, right? We ask this question. Tell me what yes. your tell me what your top weaknesses are. And we hear that I am highly organized. I'm good at communication. I am really good at teamwork. Right? That those are the things that we hear. And okay, what does that mean? Like, what do you bring to the table? Because that's the right. same answer that 95% of the people that are interviewed. So those are, I, I don't think that those are your talents. I don't think that those are your strengths. For those of you that are interview coaches, please stop it. <laughs> stop stop mm-hmm. coaching people to, to say those things because those really aren't strengths. So some of the, the tools that I'm going to recommend today, I think we're going to talk mainly about whether it be Gallup Strengths Finders, or you might call it Clifton Strength Finders, or uh, another version of that is called High Five. That's the word high and the number five. Those are some strength and or talent assessments. I might touch a tiny bit on the DISC model. Probably not going to spend a lot of time on that. But so the answer, so back to your question about, you asked me, Jenny, what do you mean when you say align strengths? I think the answer to that question is not the superficial level, but by using these tools, you can really start to work to develop, to lead your team, to coach your team. So our staff can truly figure out what their talents are so we can nurture them so they can become great project leaders of awesome teams. So that's the answer of aligning strengths is helping them to be great leaders of awesome teams. Okay. All right. So that's a slightly different way to think about the strengths, but most importantly, it's about the alignment. It's about making sure that you are aligning people based on how they can best contribute and focusing on those strengths as opposed to spending so much time trying to fix the things where they're not strong, right? Because that's exactly. the other side of this. Exactly. Because at the end of the day, our project managers and our scrum masters, they should be great at influencing teams. And yeah. if you can't influence the team, then maybe you don't really have a good understanding of yourself, if that makes right. sense. Yeah. So yeah, that's a really good way to look at it. Yeah, I like that. Okay. So let's say that we've got a PMO leader and 
they start with something like the Gallup Strengths Finder. Like I've done the Strengths Finder a couple of times. Some people have done it, or like you mentioned, High Five, which is, as you explained to me, which is a no-cost version that's pretty similar to Strengths Finder, right?、Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if I have done one of these strengths evaluation tools, but if I'm new to these tools, what can I expect, and what tips do you have to get the most value out of them? And then how does all of that align to Looking at the strengths for how we align people for the PMO, like how's all that connected? Yeah, that great, great. We'll we'll dive in. So first and foremost, I think the label. Let, let's really scrutinize some of the words. We're talking about strength finders, and Gallup calls their tool the strength finder, and I think that's a little misleading, or maybe even a lot misleading. Oh, really? I, yeah, and let me tell you why. I love, love, love that Gallup, the tool that Gallup has, and and high high five and things set nature. But I think the title should be rebranded to be. Talent Finder, and let me tell、yeah. you why. There's difference、okay. between Strength Finder and Talent Finder. Let me tell you why. Gallup is, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the most widely recognized and in industry global leader of strength assessment, talent assessment. Last I checked this year, they have done, according to their website, I think over 25 million people have taken this assessment around the globe. Again, whether you want to call it Gallup Strength Finders or Clifton Strength Finders,、uh, the the Founder of this tool, his name is Don Clifton, so that's where Clifton Strength Finder comes from. So to sum it up, these what happens is you know people say, oh these these are my top strengths, and and I, I don't think they're your top strengths. They're your top talents,、mm-hmm. aka they are your top natural ways of thinking. Oh. So, okay. So when you say what can I expect as a PMO leader, I think what you can expect is when you take something like whether it's Gallup or High Five. What you will get back, the result, the output that you will get is the person's top five talents. Now, don't confuse that. Your strength is your ability to apply the talent, right?、Uh, so, like、okay. for example, I play the piano a little bit,、mm-hmm. not a lot. I, I do, but I do play, and I play mostly by ear. I don't. I can read sheet music, but I just I hear something and I can play it.、Mm-hmm. But I do it sometimes,、mm-hmm. right? So, do, do I think I have a strength at playing the piano? Absolutely not. I don't play in public. I just do it at home, and it's fun, right? So that is a talent, a little bit, a little bit of a talent. Is it a strength? No, no, no. It's not strength. So it's a it's a matter of the mindset, right? Of looking at that. So I think we need to use that same mindset. That's a very simple example, right? But same of hey, you might score high. Say these are your top five talents, but that does not mean that they are strengths yet. So it might need some exercising. It might need some nourishing. It might. Need some coaching. It might need some practice. So again, don't get caught up in here's my top five strengths. It may not be true yet, but what is true, according to the other 25 million people that have done this, is they are your themes. They are your certifiable top talents. Now, now you've got something to work with. Now you've got some data. So in summary, Gallup and High Five are similar. Some of the differences are Gallup has 34 themes. And/or talents, right? Whereas High Five only has 20. But I think for the purposes of what we're trying to do, or what I'm trying to help you to pinpoint in this exercise, is they both provide you with your top five. They're both credible, and I recommend both of them. These are great tools to help with career development, with career pathing, 
They also can help you with your overall employee engagement because you're really learning more about people. Not only do you learn a lot about your staff and, and, and things of that nature, but they learn a lot about themselves. So mm. you get these themes, you have, can help to determine whether they are indeed strengths or talents. And then, and then you've You've got more to work with than my top talent is communication, right? Is it, is it really? (laughs) So it may not even be a theme in in the bucket, but we'll see. So anyway, I I hope that helps to provide some color on some tips and what these two tools are and what they offer. And I highly recommend both, if that makes sense. Sure. And we'll dive into practically how this applies to, you know, in just a minute, but I want to kind of make it a visual for some people. So the talents, the way I am interpreting this is the talents are kind of your core competencies. Maybe is it even natural tendencies or the things that you're more inclined to that you have some ability in, but in order for them to become a strength, just like you have to build your muscles, you need to build those talents. You need to do exercise them. Like it was, I think is the word you use. Mm -hmm. So I imagine myself going to the gym and lifting weights and I'm building strength in those talents. So same thing with, if you, if one of your talents, if you need to find ways to develop those talents, you need to put those talents into practice again and again and again, repetitions and frequency to exercise them and build them into strengths. Is that kind of how you Love it. I love the exercise analogy. That could not be more perfect. If you want to be in shape, you got to work at it, right? Right. None of us, especially as we get older, right? None of us are going to look like we did possibly when we were 17, but, you know, we still can try to be the best us that we can be at whatever, wherever you are in your walk of life, whether it's your your walk with fitness, your walk with career, your walk with your relationships in your personal life. It, It takes work, right? Talent is not turning it into a strength always takes work, if that makes sense. Sure. Okay. So let's say I've done one or more of these assessments and now I know what my top five talents are and I want to build those into strengths, let's say. How does that information of my talents before I've built them into strengths, how does that help me as a PMO leader and or a project manager? So the PMO leader from the their own perspective, but then also in how they're managing their teams and engaging with project managers, but then also as a project manager, how does this information about my talents that may or may not yet be strengths help me? All right. So let's dive in. These are great questions. There's a lot to unpack here. So let's look at it from some example standpoint. I think the best way to answer this is, is from an example standpoint, because at the end of the day, you're probably listening to this and you might be scratching your head going a little bit going, I don't know, this feels kind of like HR touchy feely stuff. This feels like HR department kind of stuff. I don't know. Is this really going to help me be a better PMO leader? Is this really going to help me be a better project manager? And you know, the book, Good to Great. Yes. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. So I think you got to look at these kind of things. These are the above and beyonds. This is the extra. This is what's going to take you from being a good fill in the blank to a great fill in the blank. Right? Okay. okay. And, and so some examples of that. So Gallup's 34 strengths are mapped into four leadership categories, right? So us in the PMO world, what we do, what we are supposed to, our charge, you know, because if we, I, I said a little bit of this in my symposium thing for you this year, if someone doesn't know what project management is and you're trying to explain to them what you do, they, they probably don't quite get it. But if you say, I lead change, yeah, the smart neighbor can track with that, right? Smart right. neighbor can track with, I lead change. So 
Gallup right. has taken these 34 strengths and mapped them into four leadership categories. So you can look at it and how you're going to lead change. Are you good at executing change? That's one category. Right. Are you good at influencing change? That's the second category. Are you good at being a strategic thinker as it wraps around change and leadership? Or are you good at relationship building? All four of those are a must in our right. management world. Right. Absolutely. This isn't that touchy-feely stuff. This is, okay, so where do I potentially have some talents? And maybe where do I not, right? Because you can, it's always a choice to try to build muscle, right? So let's connect the dots as a PMO leader. So this means now you know what your project managers, what, what maybe their natural talents are in one or some of these leadership categories, because mm-hmm. it'll map it out for you. So ultimately, you want this project manager to go out and lead and influence this change to get stuff done. But what if you are putting a project manager on a new project? Let's do a scenario. You're putting a project manager on a new project with a junior sponsor Mm -hmm. or a junior product owner. Mm -hmm. And maybe the goal is to create something new, a new way of doing business. You for sure want a project manager that has a talent, arguably maybe even a strength in strategic thinking. Yes, because they've got to figure out the why. Right. They've got to help with the why, because maybe their sponsor might be a little more junior being able to see the big picture. Now, let's do the reverse of that. What if you've got a very strong sponsor? Vision is set. They know what they want. They want quick, swift execution. Your team is already performing. Right. They're they're good. And then your project manager is coming in and that project manager, their strength needs to be execution. Right. Right. Because they don't want to get in the way of the sponsor. Right. So so maybe their strength, what they bring to the table is execution. So it's figuring some of these things out. So the art, the art of this, the true art of this as a PMO leader is coaching and mentoring, setting the path for our project management staff to be the best that they can be. So here's what I see sometimes. I see that a project management leader might assign a project manager to a project just because there's a project on a board. Hey, project number 407 just came in on the board. Let's look and see which project manager has some bandwidth. Ah, project manager number 27 has some bandwidth. Guess what? You are now the proud owner of. Right. Wrong. Just wrong, 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 wrong. Right, right. Completely wrong. It's never logical to think that a project manager can be good at everything in every situation on any team. Yes, I remember the slogans that we used to say, a project manager does not need to be subject matter expert in a vertical or what have you. And I I don't know, maybe I believe that then I'm not saying that I believe that a project manager needs to have subject matter expertise in 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 a specific business vertical. But I do think that the project managers need to have some expertise in how to communicate really well with the different types of people they might encounter. So let's connect the dots even. So we do want that project manager to be flexible and we do want them to be the help to bring out the best in our teams. So let's give the last example. Let's say that a project on the board is a recovery project. Yeah. It just lost its project manager. The team is not happy and the project is red and every color is bleeding. So as a PMO leader, I'm looking for a project manager that has a talent and influence and relationship building. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm doing. So so I'm just get, gave you some scenarios. Right. Of You know, how does this help me? You think, well, I, I would know all these things after I've worked with my project managers for a while. True. But what if you haven't worked with them for a while? What if you don't right. know what they're naturally good at? Um, so this might give you a little bit. Or what if you have a really large staff? 
and maybe it's hard to keep up with a lot of these things. So I'm a believer that these types of tools can help me as a PMO leader, number one. And number two, I'm going to have a happier project manager if I put them in a situation where they've already got a leg up, they're probably going to win, right? They're going to win right. their win relationships, be able to really influence that team to, to be better engaged. So I hope these examples were helpful, but I do believe that these tools can truly be a benefit. Yeah, for sure. And I really just want to give another example from my own experience, how important this is. And I talk about this with my impact engine PMO training and implementation program and my coaching students. We talk about this regularly about figuring out the right talent for your team. And if you have the opportunity to hire what that looks like, and then how you align people based on their strengths, we spend a good bit of time on this. And all that's based on when I was inside organizations, building and running PMOs for 15 years, Mm -hmm. like you've been doing for a long time. And I found that the highest impact PMOs we had were the ones where we were able to align our program managers based on the strengths, not just talents, but strengths that they had developed. So I spent a lot of time getting to know each of those team members. We did do assessment type of things as well, but I really did spend time getting to know them. And then based on the program that was coming up, the kind of personality that was needed, the kind of strengths that were needed, the roadblocks I was sure that they were going to hit, the ways that they were going to need to influence, et cetera. All of that determined which program manager got the role. So it really wasn't honestly based on who was available most. It was based on who was going to be able to knock it out of the park for that business unit. And it was really dependent upon the type of program, the type of situation, the team to be working with. And it had to do a lot with their strengths because I had PMO staff, program managers and project managers that all had different strengths. And that's something I really emphasize with my students is that you want to make sure that you are building a very diverse team on all levels, diversity on strengths, diversity on belief systems and personality types and character, all kinds of characteristics. And you're building strengths in places that you have weakness, right? Because as a leader of that team, you want to make sure that they can help you with your blind spots and also provide different perspectives. So that was a really important part of our successful PMOs were the ones where we were able to say, okay, let's, really spend time investing in learning about each other, ourselves, and then figure out the best places to put those people, assign them to projects or programs based on those strengths. And it really worked well. When I had a team that I knew was just going to be a hot mess to work with, and they really needed someone to guide them on the journey and really someone really strong and influencing, I knew the person that I was going to use for that. It was something where it needed to be more tactical, practical, step-by-step. Maybe we were working with the IT department. They just wanted someone to come in and knock the stuff out with them. I knew who the person was I was going to do for that. So it was very much based on their strengths. And it's why we were so successful in places in the organization that had never been successful before, where the PMO was always pushed out the door. We were successful because we really read the room and understood the kind of personalities that would need to be involved and the kind of strengths that would have to come to the table to be successful. So I couldn't agree more with this. And it's something that I can definitely say time and time again, helped us be successful when I was hands-on with PMOs. So thank you for bringing that insight. Those are great examples. Thank you for sharing. I like the read the room. That was a good way to, to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. So 
Let's say that as a PMO leader, because we have a lot of PMO leaders that are listening to all of this, how have you personally applied these tools? Can you give a very specific example? We've talked kind of generally on things we've done, but give me a couple of specific examples of the way you use these tools in your PMO to help you identify both talents and strengths maybe. Yes, absolutely. And there's lots of ways that I've applied this. And the example that you gave a little bit ago about, you know, reading the room and really trying to understand and spending time to get to know your team and applying the basically the principles that I'm talking about. That's easy. I will say easy. That's that's easier <laughs> to do if you've been with the team for a long time. But what if what if you haven't been with them very long, but you still have to figure those things out, right? Maybe you just got hired or, or or maybe you just got transferred or what have you. So let's talk about maybe three specific things that I've done. I'm trying to break this down into brass tacks. Three things that I've done. There's lots, but I'll break it down into three. So one is I've asked my project management staff in my last role in the role that I'm in now to create their five-year development plans. Mm-hmm. And each development plan, it's their responsibility. They start off with a blank piece of paper, right? It's their responsibility to come up with plan A and plan B. Plan A, assuming that you want to stay in the project management office and try to grow. Maybe that is your plan A or maybe it's not. But plan B, what if, you know, from a SWOT analysis standpoint, right, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threat. What if the threat is that the funding gets pulled from the project management office? Mm. Then what what if we still, but, and you still want to stay at this company. What other role would you do? Some people are uncomfortable doing that, but I think it is all, I like to encourage folks to put it down on paper. Because mm-hmm. if anything COVID taught us, nothing is certain. Right. right. I may not have always had the plan A, plan B mindset, but I do now. So plan right. A, plan B, put it down on paper. But what, what I want you to do in, in that is to use your top five strength talents. Mm-hmm. How do they fit in this? What are the talents that you have that you think are strengths? And if they're not a strength yet, how are you going to get them to be a strength? What is the path to make it stronger? Right. Notice I'm not talking about weaknesses here. I'm talking about strengths, right, Right. or or talents. So, and then most importantly, what do they need from me? How can I help them to be the best self they can be? And that's different than writing down the the job title that they want and the salary that they want over the next five years. You know, yes, that's that's on the page, but what about all the other stuff? You know, how how do I actually get you there? So that's one way that I've applied this, these results in helping people to be the best self that they can be. Another one is you were talking about coordinating a project versus managing a project versus leading a project. Yep. Gone are the days of coordinating a project. And some organizations still are pretty heavy in doing this. And if, and if it's not gone yet at your organization, it's going to be yeah. pretty soon. So it's because I think where our craft, the next era of where project management is truly going, is truly leading projects, right? If you're not already there. So the art of leading and the, how do you go from coordinating a project versus managing a project versus leading a project? Every speaker that you've ever had on your podcast or even in your summit, they probably are going to give you a different spin on how to get there. Yeah. And there's probably no wrong answer, but I'm going to only touch on this briefly because it's not a session on the DISC model, right? I'm a certified DISC coach, so I love DISC, but just at a highest level, only 40% of the population, and I touched a little bit about on this in my, you know, impact summit session. So there's more on this if you wanted to go back and check that out, but there's only 40% of the population certifiably, according to DISC, that have the natural leadership talent to lead teams. Mm. Only 40% of the world, right? So what about the other half or 60% of the people? That doesn't mean that they're not capable right. of 
leading. It just means that it may not be natural for them. Right. So, so how am I going to help them to nourish that? And so things like strength finders, things like this can help me to identify those things and, and try to put paths together to help people to be more of a stronger manager, more of a leader, less of a coordinator. You know, these are tools that can help me with that. So that's number two is really trying to get people into leading more versus coordinating, if that makes sense. Yep. The number three is we were talking about exercising and the word yeah. that I'm going to use is nourishment. How do I nourish? How, how do I, how do I nourish this water, this plant? So it turns into something beautiful because we know it can, right? We've got to fertilize it, we've got to nourish it. So a bit of history here. And I think this is some of the older school leadership thought. This is not PMO agnostic. This is probably just leadership in general. Right. You know, we all remember the days where our bosses issue us a yearly evaluation. And on that evaluation, it has here's your top three strengths for the year. And here's your top three opportunities or weaknesses for the year. And then, you know, the drill, you know what I'm about to say. Right. We spend the rest of the year talking about the weaknesses and what we need to do, improve those. And right. uh, oh, just please, we, we I, I really, really hope that the organizations aren't still doing you know, tons and tons of paperwork around that. Well, what about focusing on people's talents that right. are not yet a strength? and nourishing those and getting our project managers there. Now, don't get me wrong. I do think we all have room for improvement. No one's perfect. And, and we should be note, those should be noted and we should spend some time on those, but that shouldn't be the focus. So right. let me give my final thought on this as a PMO leader. For example, if I have a rock star detail oriented execution type, remember those categories I was talking about around Gallup, strategic thinking, relationship building, executing and influencing those mm -hmm. four categories, right? So mm -hmm. if I have a rock star and they're really, really good, their certifiable talent show that they are detail oriented and good at execution, right? Right. And I'm over here dinging this person for not being strategic, right? Saying you need to be more strategic. You need to see the big picture. And what the heck does that even mean when people say that? People are like, right, right, I don't exactly. know what they mean. <laughs> exactly. And by the way, finding out if you have the, the talent of, of strategy is one of the talents in the 34. So if when you take the Gallup Strength Finder, it will tell you if being strategic is one of your top 34. Right. And by the way, out of 17 million people, only 3 million people have that as a top five strength. Interesting. So let's go back to that PMO leader. So I'm great at execution, but on my yearly evaluation, you're dinging me, telling me that I need to be more strategic. And But guess what? Maybe on this person, on this project manager's results, you might find out that strategy is number 34 yeah. for them. Yeah. So what's the problem here? Is the problem my project manager or is the problem me as their boss? Yeah, My friends, the problem is me as their boss. I've either done two things. Either I'm not coaching them well, or I'm setting poor expectations for this project manager that they will never meet, right? They're not going to, if they're number 34, they are never going to be the rock star at strategy, right. right? They're just probably not, not saying that they can't develop some, some muscle, right? But so I've probably got them in the wrong seat on the bus. If I'm expecting that out of this role, then maybe I need to find projects to where they can do exercise that talent of being really good at execution. So that's just an example. But I think a lot of times we just, we think that one size fits all and we're maybe a little bit more in that older school leadership mentality. And we don't truly have the tools at our fingertips to go, I'm really not being a good boss to this person. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you're, you're just making assumptions that you understand what their strengths are when maybe you really don't. 
if that right. makes sense. So these are good tools and they really help both the project manager and the PMO leader to help them to be the best self that they can be, if that makes sense. It does. And I think it's really important uh, that we pause on this and really reflect. Are we trying to fit square pegs in round holes, right? Are we trying to ask people to be something that they really are not meant to be? And so if we do like what we're talking about that we do in our, when we run PMOs, Jenny, which is to align people to their strengths and align the work they're doing to their strengths, we don't have as much of that problem. But if we expect everyone to be great strategists and we, or we expect everyone to be great at execution or we expect everyone to be great at relationship building, we are expecting too much or we hire all the people that are all exactly the same. And then we can only solve a subset of all of the real problems that we're going to face when we're running a PMO. So it's good to have people with diverse strengths, diverse talents that you can build muscle into strengths, right? Mm -hmm. And then strengths. I think it's important that not everyone needs to be strategic, but going back to the PMOs that I ran, not everyone was strategic, but we would find the ones that needed more strategy coaching. Like you said, maybe you have a more junior sponsor and they need someone that can be thinking more strategically to help coach and guide them into how they need to be thinking and talking about the work that they're doing versus a situation where you have the opposite. I think it's really important that we not expect everyone to be the same and to be fit a certain mold and celebrate the differences as opposed to expecting everyone to fit a certain profile. So I just think that's super important. And I'm glad you've brought that up here because that is often something that's said. And I have people reach out to me like, I don't know. I I think I did a blog post on it a few years ago. Be more strategic, right? Because executives will say, well, we need you to be more strategic. Well, what the heck does that even mean? Mm -hmm. And is that something that really is, is something that we can do? Now, I would say with PMO leaders specifically, you've better be able to understand That's the right. strategy, right? Well, you, you better know. be able to articulate that strategy and also translate that strategy and align all the projects to the strategy, et cetera. But not every project manager needs to be strategic necessarily. That's right. And I think, for example, I mean, and I have to say this because I'm a certified disc coach. So it's part of my agreement to be a coach is from an equal opportunity employment standpoint. You Mm -hmm. cannot make decisions to hire, but at least in the United States, you cannot make decisions to hire based off of these types of assessments. However, these are data points, right? So let's say that I have a team of a dozen project managers and I do have an assignment on my board that Mm -hmm. says I need someone that is strategic. Well, I now have some data to to help me with that, right? right? On the reverse of that, one of the talents Mm-hmm. That is in Gallup is called, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Competition. High five calls it winner, but Gallup calls it competition. So, and it's a pretty rare skill for, for folks to have. So, you know who I want to be a very competitive person mm. if, if I'm in, if I'm a CEO of an organization, it's my head of sales, mm. right? I want them to win, right? I want them to feel like everything is a competition. I want them to feel like they have to win <laughs> those bids. Right. I want that to be their number one Gallup strength finder, at least in their top five. There's a lot of truth to this. Right. And that's just one example out of 34 that we could give, I'm sure. But yeah, there's there's a lot of truth to it. And I think it really helps us to, to your point, get the right people in the right teams to where we can make the biggest impact, if you will. Right. Right. For sure. For sure. Okay. Now, there might be some people listening to this that are like, okay, great. This is all wonderful, but can't I just align my talents and or strengths 
without using these assessments? Do I have to go out and get these different assessments in order to, to do this? And I just personally want to say a little plug for doing these kind of things. I find them super, super fun. And that might be because I'm a Myers-Briggs ISTJ and J's like to put everyone in buckets you know, <laughs> because it's how we see the world, right? So I love these assessments because I do feel that I know so much about both my talents and my strengths from doing these kinds of assessments over the last 25 years. I've learned a lot about what I'm good at and how I can serve others and how I can make the biggest impact because of these kinds of assessments. They say, oh, okay, well, that explains how I operate, but I also personally love them for explaining how others I'm working with operate. When somebody says, oh, well, for example, my mother, is the exact opposite of me as a Myers-Briggs and totally can see it, right? She's an extrovert and she just, I think she feels, et cetera. And I know that's kind of genericizing it, but really it explains why sometimes we clash, right? Because all she wants to do is extrovert, extrovert, extrovert. And me, I just need my downtime. I need the quiet. I need the peace, right? That we were talking about with vacations before we started this podcast. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's very useful personally to understand about me and the world around me and the people that I'm interacting with and how to balance teams, et cetera, to use these kinds of resources. But what if we've got some, yeah, but monsters crawling up on our audience's <laughs> shoulders yeah, saying, but. yeah, but do we really need these in order to do this? What are, what's your take on that? Well, you've already answered it a little bit earlier when you're like, you, you said that, <laughs> Sorry. Hey, that's okay. That's okay. But I'm going to take a, my, my Jenny spin on it. Right. I love the, the yeah, but the, the yeah, but monster. So I do like that. So this is almost like a trick question, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm saying that very humbly. It's almost like a trick question. The answer is yes, absolutely. Yes. You can, you can align your team's talents. You can align your own talents and you may say, I don't believe in all this touchy-feely stuff. I'm not going to take this. I'm not going to take Myers-Briggs. I'm not going to take Gallup. I'm not going to take fill in the blank. There's a bunch of them, right? Thousands. I'm not going to do that. And I am fully aware of the statistic. For those of you that like to drive with data, go research yourself and go find, you think, well, this is this stuff even real? There are Harvard graduates. There are scientists. There are a ton of scientific data down to, I don't know if any of you are Thomas Bradbury fans and have read the book, Emotional Intelligence 2.0. And he explained, you know, how the brain works and how the brain manages emotion versus logic. And, and, you know, you've heard people say, well, you just need to leave your emotions at the door. You know, this is a place of business. You leave the emotions at the door. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about that for a second. And I, I am going to answer the question about can you align your talents without these assessments? But let's talk about this for a second. Can you really leave your emotions at the door? No, you physically cannot. There is not a human on the planet that can do that because the way that, and I'm not, the way our brain know, works. it's the way our brain works, right? The, the way the data goes into the brain, it goes to the emotional side of the brain before it comes out to the logic side. So, right. so it's just not possible. So I give you all that to say the way we manage our emotions and the way that we influence teams, the way that we have to work with people, we have to do work. We have to, again, our main role in project management is to lead change. We are leading change. That is what we do. And you do that through people. And people are not going to act, react, communicate, behave exactly the same way that you do. Right. So guess what, project manager? You didn't know that your therapist was also going to be in your (laughs) your role. But it is, right? You need to make sure that you are being 
at super, super flexible to where you can truly influence those people to get to the goals, to get to the outcomes, right? So let me answer your question. Can I align my talents without these assessments? Yes and no. I have to sadly say, I think that very few leaders use these type of tools. There's a lot of data out there that supports that. I don't, I don't know the numbers, but I do know that it's not great. Some companies do a good job with it, and then a lot of companies don't. So, for example, some of you may say, well, I can't do these things because my HR department doesn't support these things, and we don't have budget for it. Okay, let, let's back up for a second. Your staff doesn't report to HR. They report to you. Right. You are their boss, number one. Number two, they are in your charge and it is your responsibility to help to make them the best that they can be. So, and for example, high five is free. So there, I just removed that excuse. The yeah, but monster has to fall off, right? Yep. So you can't say it's because you don't have budget. So, right. so if I have to, you know, finalize, yes, I think that PMO leaders should use something like this. And it doesn't have to be the brands that I've recommended. You can do a version with this within your team. But I think aligning the strengths as a leader in any department, whether it's a PMO or not, it takes time. Right. Right. That example you gave where you did it for yourself. I want to ask you, how long did it take you to figure all that out, Laura? Yeah. Oh, when I was doing it with my team. Mm -hmm. And you were figuring out which project manager should be assigned to what and you knew what strengths were. Yeah, it took a well, and I'm a really good read of people. And it took a while. Because a while meaning months, years, months, for sure, many months, for sure, many years with some folks, because what people say they're good at, and what they actually prove to be good at, and what they like to do versus what aligning what their strengths actually are to the work you need could be very different. So there's a lot of dynamics that go into this. And so you've got to make sure that this I found as tools to fast track that whole process, right? And exactly. that's the key what word it was there is time. You, right. you, you, beautiful. The t- key word there is time because you really want to take the time. You take the time to invest in them to make those your project managers irreplaceable and highly engaged. Because the ultimate goal is to equip our fellow project management colleagues, if you will, so they can go out and influence team and deliver awesome outcomes and values. And we can do all of and again, like I said earlier, we have to do all of this through other people. So in closing for this one, do you have, can you align your talents without the strength assessment with, with the, these tools or whatever? Sure you can. It'll take you a lot longer. I highly encourage you to use these tools. Don't try and go at this alone and you'll trust me, you'll thank yourself later by using yeah. some of these tools to fast track. For sure. For sure. Well, Jenny, thank you so much for sharing all of this today. I think it's really important for us to be thinking about how we can achieve the highest possible impact for the work that we're doing. And a big part of that is really knowing our people, knowing our strengths of our teams, our strengths that we have ourselves and how to best align those strengths to the work we have in front of us. And that could be a game changer for building a high performance team, quite frankly, because that's where the high performance comes from is having people beautifully aligned with where they can provide the most value and impact. That's how you become an impact driver. So Jenny, thank you so much for being here for this episode today. Thank you, Laura. It was a pleasure being here. Absolutely. All right. And all of you impact drivers, don't forget that you can use resources, even free ones to help you have the right conversations with your teams, really evaluate how diverse you are, where your 
similar and where you're diverse and how that diversity in strengths is making you and your team a powerhouse of impact driving value for your organization. Don't forget to download these episodes so you have them with you no matter where your high impact journey takes you. Thank you for being with us for this episode. And don't forget this episode is sponsored by my free masterclass on the game-changing steps that you have not considered, I promise, to building a high-impact PMO. So whether you're starting from scratch with a new PMO, or you've got a team and you're already trying to up-level your capabilities, or you've been called in to get things back on track, let us help you get and keep your seat at the table by unlocking the secrets of a high-impact PMO your stakeholders will be begging for. Join me at pmostrategies.com forward slash PMO. That's pmostrategies.com forward slash PMO. I can't wait to see you there. All right, Impact Driver, I'll see you in the next episode. Bye-bye for now.